Hi everyone, this is Brian O'Leary. I'm here with Matt Davis, Dynasty Peasant on Twitter. How are we doing, Matt? Pretty good, how's it going? Good, good, thanks for joining us. Let's, let's try something new, let's not make a fool out of ourselves. Um, hopefully people want to listen. But, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of found Dynasty is a funny game. You don't necessarily have to be a football guy to be good at it. Um, like myself, for example, I don't really watch a ton of football. I'll watch highlights. I'll watch clips. I'll listen to smart people. How about you? Are you, are you a big football guy? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's how that's how I got into it. Uh, you know, diehard football fan since I was uh, four or five, six years old. Been uh, been playing fantasy for 20 years at least, um, going back to around late 90s, early 2000s. But yeah, I got into Dynasty 2017. Uh, me and my buddy um, got our we, we read an article about it, got our home league, our home redraft league into it, and then uh, you know shortly after that, I jumped on Twitter, uh, started looking at other people, uh, I was looking up people in Dynasty, and from there, kind of you know you know how it is, find the little yeah. Twitter community. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool community for sure. Like, I, I you, can, you kind of find one person and then you kind of branch off of that and like, hey, this person recommends this guy and that guy. And then you kind of yeah. go from there and all of a sudden you have this this cool, expansive network that I think you and I both uh, enjoy a good deal and gain a lot of knowledge from. Yeah, man. And like, uh, as long as you're cool and stuff, uh, people are more than willing to uh, invite you into new leagues. If you're, if you're looking to find new leagues, you hop on Twitter. I mean, you find, I mean, talk about like Dynasty Zoltan and like other people like that. There's dozens of people that will help get you in leagues. And uh, so, yeah, no, that's definitely a cool part of the community for sure. It's a major vibe uh, situation for sure. I, that's, that's what I've noticed myself. You give and you get kind of thing. Um, yeah, you, know, no. you, you said you're, you're, you've been a big football guy most of your life. Um, I don't want to say I don't watch football, but I, I think I'm less hardcore than a lot of people. But I've kind of noticed what I've loved about Dynasty so far, and I've, I've been playing since 2018, is um, just the fact that you can learn so much and not have to know like, hey, this is the X receiver, or this is a this is a run play that way or that this way, and like what the like behind the scenes real deep cut stuff is, and you can read people in situations that like maybe you're more familiar with. So it's almost like a stock market game in a way. Yeah, and like there's there's people there's like analytics guys like uh, like that Drew DFB DFB encounter yeah. guy. Um, that I, I don't think it's a bit with him. Like, uh, he lives in Canada. I genuinely think he doesn't watch a lot of NFL football. I think he watches some games. Um, but, uh, he's, you know, he's an accountant by trade and, uh, just playing the numbers and playing it like a stock market, uh, especially I mean, it, it would take someone like that, uh, you know, like a couple of years to get used to the, uh, timing, the market, the fluctuations, all that. But, yeah, you could definitely be successful at Dynasty without ever watching an NFL game. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's what's kind of that's what, that's a great uh, segue to our next and overall topic. I guess is that we want to talk about market fluctuation, and I think we can both give different perspectives, different viewpoints on players, maybe value fluctuations that we see that are different, 
you might like a guy more than I do and vice versa. Um, and obviously, you know, anyone that has really played this game knows that sometimes you can fall on your face, right? So like, you're going to be wrong sometimes, but that's like, that's the important part of the game that if you don't take any chances or kind of trust your gut or your feelings or people that you trust, you're never going to get anywhere. So with that, I want us to kind of like divulge some good and bad, right? So it's always, it's not always going to be good. It's not always going to be bad. So like my example of my favorite trade this off season, I traded Devontae Adams. I traded Derrick Henry and then a 2024 second for Bijan, who I'm head over heels with. I think almost everybody is, so I'm not unique in that front. That's my favorite of the offseason. Yeah, I remember that trade. Yeah. <laughs> that so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you mentioned, you know, I think a lot of people had comments about that trade. Um, I still I still see it for the other guy, too, that he was super win now. He didn't necessarily trust B. John was trying to load up his roster. <laughs> um, and I think the guy that I traded with is pretty knowledgeable and experienced, too. So it's, it's not a matter of, like, again, we're talking about, like, what you do or don't like it's all preference you'll yeah. everyone that's played dynasty sees the win now only guys versus like hey let's play for two or three years from now right yeah. so i mean it's 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 there's that's what's so beautiful about the game is that you can play so many different ways right and um so that's my favorite do you have a favorite yeah uh so i actually have two back-to-back -back ones um that mm -hmm. uh that are are turned out best and worst for for the same reason um so that uh, can segue back to you when it comes to the worst trade that you made but both of the uh, best and worst trades i think i've made this off season were uh in january and they were overreacting to the brock purdy injury uh from the playoffs Mm -hmm. and the ucl and everybody thought that uh i know i thought it was an eight nine, nine month injury and trey lance would be the guy and uh so in so in, in one league and this is a pretty bad one you're you're bad one oh, people thought this one but so in a league that i'm still a contender in and that i finished as the one seed last year and uh i traded trade i traded away josh allen and I got back Trey Lance and Mark Andrews, and that's it. I did not. And we're get talking it. tight end premium, I assume. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. One point yeah, five tight end premium. And my thinking, you know, at the time was, all right, if Trey Lance is not the guy, then whatever. There's going to be a September sell window, but like the UCL injury to, to Purdy plus Lance being healthy again, uh, it should have been his job to get get a chance to begin with. Um, you know, there's all sorts of, uh, stats that were being floated on Twitter about, uh, first round quarterbacks, especially ones taken in the top 10, at least got like 22 different starts, you know, Lance got three and a half. So, so in my mind, I was like, all right, uh, I want to upgrade major, majorly at tight end. Yeah. This guy's going to get it. And then, uh, and you know, I would say even at the time, that was bad process. I would say at the time I made this trade, there was Twitter polls going around that Trey Lance was uh, valued around the 104 to 105 in startups, uh, to give you an idea. And uh, so the other trade that I made uh, that turned out great for me, I think, uh, was uh, that fool's trade uh, that you're in our, our uh, 
league ship of fools. I traded uh, Trey Lance to our buddy Goose for, oh, Trey Lance and the 110 uh, to Goose for Tom Brady, who I thought was playing at the time, uh, CMC and Mostert. And, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I since traded away CMC, but Mostert, like, helped me win this week. <laughs> I used him. Um, and it, it just a, I, I traded away CMC, like, a, a couple weeks ago and, like, after he realized his value, all that. Uh, so, so yes, it's, uh, same thing, good and bad, behind the same concept of just uh, believing too much in Trey Lance over – Brock Purdy. And, and at that time, I would say both Goose and I should have both known better in terms of Brock Purdy going 6-0. There was, there was writing on the wall there that we were kind right. of ignoring. It's, 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 it's a perfect example of, like, I think the Dynasty community in general fixed their champions, right? So they're like, hey, Trey Lance is the guy, and they'll look for any shred of possibility for Trey Lance to take over, despite, you know, all of what the coaches said, Brock Purdy, you know, successful um both winning and statistically he was pretty good um yeah so that that is definitely an interesting trade i thought you might go at least there's a couple interesting trades i think you've made positive and maybe some negative for yeah schools. yeah there was a lot to choose from uh, it's, a fun, it's a fun one, one. yeah and but i like highlighting me there of trey lance for those who don't um know um matt is the biggest trader i've seen by a landslide He'll trade with anybody. He's not just bully trading. He's, you know, there's going to be some wins. There's going to be some losses. Oh, and he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's based on volume and is just his general knowledge of the market to get ahead of things. So, um, I trust, I trust that process that you have tenfold. And um, I, so I, would also, I would also say that, uh, unlike a lot of the people that we play with, I, I don't always view everything as just like a look at like I'm in 18 leagues, but I don't necessarily view it as like a portfolio or like buy or sell this guy. And like yeah. the only thing that matters is uh, my profit and loss statement, like at the end of the day, like all that. No, I, I think it's very clear if you're in a league with me for more than a week or two, you know that I, I basically just trade to have fun. Um, I, I try to win as much as I lose so I don't kill my teams. Uh, but to me, trading is the funnest part about Dynasty. I'm not, uh, I do this as a hobby. It's not supp supplementary income for me. Right. And I think that's, a, again, you're looking at a different angle that, you know, you can't define what that other person's angle is going to be, whether it's they're just trying to, you know, stay in the green, if they're having fun, if they just are spending some time away from this, or maybe it's another form of gambling, whatever else, you know. There's a million different things that you can do to um, do within uh, Dynasty. So I think I think you're a great example of that for sure. Um, and, and and I've seen you be pretty pretty darn successful. Um, so my bad isn't that dramatic. But in March I traded in in tight end premium. I traded Brandon Ayuk, who's a hot item this this week, and I'm dreading it. And on a contender, I traded it for Dallas Goddard. So. Um, it's not the worst trade, but, you know, if, if we're going week one overreactions, like Ayuk is trending way up, Goddard's trending way down. So, yeah. Um, and, 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 and in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have done this trade because soon after that, there was a tanking team that traded me Mark Andrews. So then it was like, now I have surplus. That I still like, I don't mind bully tight end, but 
I didn't need to necessarily make that move and I could still be sitting with Ayuk with Mark Andrews despite them missing week one. So that is our that is our first ups and downs trades. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to record and you know, you know, have people to giggle at from here to from now and then. So that's that's another thing to think about moving forward for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the first thing that I want us to touch on from this past week, uh, it's it's been talked about it kind of at nausea at this at nausea at this point, but Monday night football, a lot of headlines, right? So like Aaron Rodgers, four plays in, torn Achilles. Yeah. Just just insane, right? Like anyone that said like the NFL is scripted, they would not have scripted that. I mean that that went off the book for sure. Yeah, no right? doubt. Like, so there's that. You have Josh Allen throws three picks and looks kind of like crap, honestly. Uh, you know, granted, Jets defense is pretty good, but um, throwing, throwing three interceptions. You got Diggs, actually, who I thought I was maybe going to be fading a little bit just with the matchup with Sauce Gardner. Yeah. Um, 10, 10 catches, 100, 102 yards, touchdown on 13 targets. So, like, Josh Allen plays like crap. Diggs produces great. Um, and then you got Brees Hall, who again I faded because I was nervous about snap count. He looks maybe not full strength, but pretty, I mean, pretty close. Like he had a, you know, the 80, 83 yard run in the first half. I mean, it was impressive, right? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so I mean, in general, and obviously the Jets beating the Bills. So I don't I don't know if you had any takeaways, value, up, down, sideways in terms of players. In terms of teams, what, what do you what, what were you thinking when you when you were watching that game? Yeah, obviously, uh, the, so the Rodgers things just took the air out of the whole night. I think for a lot of us, um, you know, uh, not only were we like, this isn't going to be that good of an NFL game, or a lot of us are already concerned about our Rodgers shares. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson uh, was affected. Almost as arguably, arguably as much as anyone who owned Rodgers, anyone who had Garrett affected just as much. Um, so that that kind of took it out. Uh, Brees, I would say, is probably the biggest story of the night in terms of like he just looks back. Uh, he he looks great. Um, if you want to talk about him being equal to Bijan, I have no reason to really argue against it i mean um so I, I love that yeah i mean I, I i think uh i like yeah so i think he's clearly reestablished uh his value i and i still think john or uh Brees, by the way still think he's going to be worked back in uh it's not like he's going to take over this backfield but i he showed last night he doesn't need to um to get his points I mean, yeah, he only had 10 carries, and it was, I think, obviously, he had the 83-yard run, but I think he had another, I forget exactly how long, but 30, 40-yard run as well, that he just kind of, he made things happen, right? So it's like, it's it's similar to a couple of guys we'll talk about a little bit later, Bijan and, and, and Gibbs, that it was just like, you can see that they're just different, right? They're moving different, that it's, yes. even if they are getting 10, 15 touches, those are going to be super efficient, you're going to have massive plays, you're going to have spike weeks, it's, I'm, I'm totally there with you with with Brees, I'm not sure I would I would put him on the same playing field as Bijan with just some injury risk and maybe offensive woes, especially Rogers out. But maybe that helps him. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I, I think yeah, no, I'd, I'd still have Bijan above him, 
Um, man, but a, a second would you get me to look at it and consider it or any, any type of player like that uh, worth a second? Um, like uh, I, all of us are very high on Jameer Gibbs. Um, give me Brees Hall over Jameer Gibbs. Um, uh, CMC, you know, uh, I, on a win now team, I, think I'd still take CMC, but it is close. I, I really don't actually, I mean, I really don't know that I would. I have CMC so, and three contenders. So I, traded, I traded CMC for Hall in the offseason in one league. Yeah. Um, and this was pre like Brees Hall like started trending up a little bit. Like this was still like they were thinking he was in a missing time. And I mean, I don't regret it, but like I, I love CMC. I'm on the same side of it, so it's it's it was always it's always tough parting with him. But if you're going to get a guy like you're talking about, that it's just like whole other level, and you know, yeah, I don't think you can go three four years younger than him. It's like ah, okay, well, running back, we know it's volatile anyways. We might as well, you know, make a make a good bet if we're talking market. But to me, those are the three guys we're talking about, and then it would be Gibbs solidly at number four by himself almost and i don't by himself in that tier um but it, any type of contending team i have i would take Bajan, cmc and brace over over gibbs and um sure. I, like i said i think brace is pretty close to Bajan. um but so that was a big takeaway of mine and then uh you know outside of the obvious uh terrible effect that uh, Rogers losing Rogers has on Garrett. I don't know that we need to spend that much time on that. Uh, to me, I think we all know if they don't upgrade their quarterback in any type of way, Garrett Wilson is in, he's, he's Drake London this year. That's what he is. Uh, he's an awesome player that you, that is a wide receiver three and redraft every week. Yeah. You're not going to sit back and rely on, you know, 10 to 15 quality targets per game it's just not going to happen probably right so that's if we're if yeah. we're looking at the, the way garrett wilson was drafted he asked he has to get that type of range of um of action in my opinion that it's like am i still buying him because i think he's an elite like all all over the field receiver yes but um it's and not I, something that where it's, it's not a sure thing now almost and like, I, I think it, it, it's solidified yeah, and I think that's all tied in together in terms of uh, that also makes me more bullish on Brees. Uh, until they figure out a better plan, I think the Jets are just going to try and 2,000 Ravens this thing uh, as, best, as best they can to like 11 and 6, uh, see see how it goes. They got they uh, ride the defense. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a tough hard nose defense. That's that's That made it very clear yesterday, so. Yeah, so I mean, for, from like – and unless we get big quarterback news, if they really do plan, let's say Robert Sala is telling the truth, they're going to stick with Zach Wilson the rest of the year. Um, man, I really don't want anyone except uh, Brees Hall. And I really am interested in Delvin Cook, too, as long as he's upright and healthy. Um, I, I mean, I think we're talking about a team that's looking to run the ball 40 times a game from here on out. Uh that's what they. That's what their game plan showed last night after Rodgers went out. They did. Yeah. They didn't. At, at, they gave Zach Wilson one shot. He threw that deep, uh, not even deep. It was like intermediate pick, uh, where it wasn't even close. After that, they shut everything down. They didn't even throw it anything outside five yards. They they I didn't mean, trust him at all. The, the trust or lack of trust is tangible 
throughout it it felt like throughout the stadium no one trusts like everyone's on pins and needles if, if i was watching the manning cast so like peyton was like quivering every time he dropped back like what the heck is this guy going to do here like no clue like throw it away throw it away throw it away where if rogers is back there he's just sitting and thinking like i want to see what cool thing he might try here or whatever so it's 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 we're not we're not even going to sit here and compare the two it's obvious that they're night and day different but um we talked we you talked about cmc so i want us to kind of segue over into um that steelers 49ers team uh 49ers game so I know, at least from my vantage point, it seemed like the Steelers were getting a lot of preseason hype, right? ADPs were were, dra- were driving up. Pickett was like, maybe stretch it, maybe you can stretch the field this year. Deontay this, Pickett that. All three of those guys' values to me were skyrocketing in the preseason. I didn't agree, but I saw that happening just based on people's trading and startup, you know, startup picks. Did, did you see something similar, or am I just kind of crazy? No, I, I saw well, I saw, I saw Pickett getting hype. I, I saw, I, I did not see a lot of trades being made off of the hype. I saw a lot of hype on Twitter, um, but I didn't see a ton of trades uh, being made off of it. The one thing I thought was kind of funny was um, that I, I think a lot of people would agree that Deontay is. Uh, before this latest hamstring injury, uh, the safest fantasy option, the hype almost seemed to not affect him. Like to me, it was like Pickett and uh, Pickett and Pickens and Jalen Warren were getting hype, but like Deontay was just like, uh, like nobody's that excited about him. And uh, yeah, so so I, I saw some hype, but I didn't see a lot of like action being made off of it. And um that might that might just be small sample size you know i'm only in yeah and and so that leads me to my next question right so like all this hype happened and then they play the 49ers and it's it's 20 30 nothing in the first half it felt like almost instantaneously right so is it 49er defense good or steelers offense same old steelers offense would pick it you think uh combination but i i i think it's a good indication that we should not expect material improvement from last year um i mean it kenny pickett i uh you know i'm not a data guy i'm not a numbers guy i think he had a historically low touchdown percentage based on like the number of pass attempts he had last year like that like regression is almost certainly going to come there um but no uh i think the main takeaway that uh you and i had talked about uh that we were immediate reaction is right here we don't want any part of the Steelers offense really um and I would say even with Deontay with the uh hamstring let's say Deontay's out the next few weeks I don't have that much additional interest in George Pickens like uh Deontay Deontay being out is not going to affect my George Pickens redraft stance at all like for example I'm still going to think of him as a boom bust wide receiver three I I think that opens up a great window for for selling pickings, right? Because people yeah. people always do this where they apply like, oh, 10 targets are missing. They'll all go to George Pickens and they'll be how George Pickens gets the ball. In reality, it's probably gonna be like a couple more dump offs, you know, hits hit, you know, uh hit the slot guy and drawing a blank on his name, you know, over the middle, that type of stuff. But it's not necessarily against it's just like these 10 targets go to George Pickens and he scores two touchdowns because of it. I mean, like you said, Pickens 
yesterday or Sunday had 46 attempts, two barely over 200 yards, and he was QB 21. So it's like you're you're throwing the ball 46 times and losing like in that type of game script, and you're still QB 21 on the week. It's it's not a good outlook. Yeah, opinion. I would say I would say to me the the only Steelers takeaway uh, that I'm taking away from that game is negative, and it's that Najee. Uh, has always been a volume-dependent guy. He's uh, Even his backers have said that, uh, you know, handling 25 touches a week is how he's is what he's capable of doing all that. They're not going to use him that way. Um, if there's a I, – I don't think I would rather have Najee than Brian Robinson in Dynasty right now. Um, so, like, to me, that's, that's who I view Najee as. Najee is Brian Robinson. Um, and if you'd ask me who I'd rather have right now, it's about equal. I, I don't care either way, throw me a third either way and I'll make that switch. But I mean, I've, to be fair, I've never been a Najee guy, but to me, that has to be the takeaway. I, I don't see what, the, uh, after they split work this week, basically. And I mean, maybe the blowout you could say is a reason because of that, but, uh, yeah, to me, to me, you have to downgrade Najee. If he's not getting eighty percent of the snaps, uh, he's nowhere near what his startup ADP was this off season. Right. Yeah, I'm with. I'm with you. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, um, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you, but yeah, you dropped, yeah now you're back now. Can but, you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, but your video is okay. Dropping. Yeah, so trying to switch it here, but there we go. Okay. okay. Um, it's muted, by the way, if you're speaking. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I, I think you're on the right track in, in the sense of like Brian Robinson versus Najee. Najee has like that name still, like he's a name brand. Brian, Brian Robinson, you can get something similar production wise, a lot cheaper. He's usually like a toss in, in my experience, and like trades, that type of stuff. Like Brian Robinson is like, oh, okay, let's, let's get this deal across the finish line. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, if, if I can go move Najee for Brian Robinson in a, sec- in a second, even if it's a late second, I don't think I'm losing anything there. Um, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, with that, so we talked plenty of with the team that we don't really like either of us, but um, CMC, obvious, 100 and a touchdown, IU monster game. But what do we think about Debo? I know you're a Debo guy. I'm I'm still happy with Debo uh, after that game. I mean, I think he got seven targets, uh, and you know that's in a complete blowout win. Um, I for me, I don't overthink Debo that much. Uh, to me, like like to me, uh, Debo's one of the best players in the NFL. Uh, just full stop. I like I think he's one of the best players in the league with the ball in his hands. Um, on the very short list top five of yak guys um give this guy five six seven touches a game and i expect i'll be happy with his fantasy production um and this offseason he dropped understandably 
uh, to, you know, that six, seven uh, round value. And at that point, I'm just going to take him. Uh, like if, right. if I can get Debo for less than a first round pick at any cost, I'm going to take him. So that's why I ended up with uh, 27%, five out of 18 leagues. Um, and, I'm, and I'm still happy at that cost, right? Um, it, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, if he's a top 36 overall pick, uh, startup pick? No, I'm I'm very concerned. But you're drafting him literally to be a wide receiver three or a flex guy uh, this offseason. So uh, I I still expect him to be that. Ayuk's um, the number one on that team, though. Um, I, I I think we need to stop with this narrative of and not everybody has it, but it's common spread enough that. Oh, Ayuk, Debo, CMC, Kittle, they have four all-pro guys. Who's going to get the ball? Like Ayuk's going to get the ball. Ayuk's the number one target on that team. And I think that should, the offense should be treated that way going forward. And I don't I don't think they need like the volume that some players need to produce what we want them to produce, right? Like yeah. are we going to get top 5 Debo season? No, probably not. But He's going to be super efficient. He's explosive. He'll have big weeks for you that, you know, you can win because of his performances, in my opinion. So my uh, my other thing about that game, and this has me a little worried because um, I do not have any shares at all. I'm at 0% in Dynasty. Um, you can make an argument, I think, right now that Brock Purdy is the single best buy in Dynasty at any position. Um, like, if if he's just going to be good this year uh, and let's say you compare him to some guy like Tony Romo um, and he's just a QB one for the next seven years, let's not, let's not even say that San Francisco is going to resign him. Let's say he's just a low end QB one for the next two years while establishing his value. Um, You know, why isn't that guy like a fourth round startup pick right now? And he, he looked good. He looked good. I, I'm 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 as much of a skeptic as just about anyone that I've come across. Yeah, there's a reason I have zero shares. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I think I have him on a couple teams where I again I got him as like a toss in. I'm yeah. like taking over an orphan that type of thing. But it was that's not that was not someone I'm actively was was not actively going after, and that that's definitely something that I think we might still be able to get in low. Um, but his his value is in a keep going I, I would say uh as long as he stays healthy all he has to do is just kind of put it out there for him i mean they have they have weapons and an offense to do it so yeah and like the only other thing last thing i'd say about that is tj watt absolutely terrorized brock purdy uh on sunday and it didn't really affect the game or his production at all um tj watt i think he had three sacks two forced fumbles uh like a few more qb pressures he absolutely dominated that game and uh it did not affect that the 49ers offense that much he looked super poised yeah totally i totally agree i i'm starting to come around i don't want him to burn me the other way but man i want to i think i want to get some before it's too late kind of thing same all right so um you know we talked about purdy you know who was kind of a shining star random come out of nowhere rookie last year let's talk about some of the guys that we knew or we expected to kind of explode maybe not the first game like they did but um 
just in general. Yeah. These are the big guys. And um, obviously we're talking, we're talking we're talking Gibbs, we're talking Anthony Richardson, George, uh, Addison, Laporta, Kincaid, Musgrave. We got uh, Flowers, who to me, Flowers is the shining star for week one. I, I don't want to be an overactor. I don't want to get too excited or ahead of myself. But I mean, right from his first catch, I don't know if you saw it, but he, he caught like kind of in the flat, did a quick move to the middle and spun back and just completely left the defender in, in, his, in his wake. And right there and there, I was like, man, this is this guy wants to be him. I mean, I know. He's yeah, small. no, uh, Zay, Zay and AR uh, were like tied for number one rookie story for me. But I agree with you. And we're talking like if we're talking about just like in terms of just pure like section sexiness in their debut, Bijan, that touchdown he had, he left three guys out of he's totally left them in their in his dust plowed into the end zone we got gibbs that if he didn't trip would have had a couple of nice touchdowns he looks faster than everybody on the field and we're talking against the super bowl champs yeah it's pretty pretty incredible yeah um no i gibbs and bijan uh showed everything you'd want to see from them um and Anthony Richardson, I would say, uh, is a big story only because he was so polarizing um, on an NFL level. Everybody expected big things from fantasy, but I think he looked incredible from a real-life perspective, which uh, which I don't think can be overstated enough um, in terms of uh, him not looking near – him and his team's offense not looking nearly as lost as, say, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud were – um and then yeah. but but Zay, but to your point uh ar gibbs bijan we're talking about uh top four overall uh rookie picks is right. zay, zay is a big story of the guys outside the top five for sure he's gotta be yeah for sure and then and then it went like laporta kincaid musgrave you know we're talking about guys that are a little bit further out um I put in my notes, Matthew McMahon. I just, I, I never was really impressed with him. I heard everyone talk since he was a freshman in college at Notre Dame that this guy is going to come in and, you know, maybe he still will. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. But that was one guy that I was definitely, I, uh, I was, I was early on the Laporta train and Musgrave train. I wish I got a little bit more, but those were two guys that, and it's definitely not a victory lap because it's so far from being decided, but. Mayer was the guy ahead of them for the beginning of rookie drafts in my in my experience, and um, I'm I'm sad that it shifted the other way for my later rookie drafts. Yeah, I got I got stuck with one Mayer share uh, in our fools league, and even as recently as uh, before the season a couple weeks ago, I couldn't trade it straight up for Musgrave anymore, which. Mm -hmm. um, which I was happy about and also sad about. I've uh, Musgrave. I got uh, in thirty-three percent of my league, six out of eighteen, and um, Musgrave is almost someone where like, like me and you are in a chat group, and people were kind of like, "Man, shut the hell up!" By now, like, mm -hmm. but like it was blowing my mind that uh, Musgrave's value was not raising more this August um, in terms of his athletic profile, his rookie draft capital. And all the reports that were coming out of camp 
of he's got the tight end one position locked down. He has no competition for it. He's going to be a day one starter and run 80 plus percent of the routes. And like nobody gave a shit. Like, and so I, uh, I, I was just kind of losing my mind and just going to buy up Musgrave, um, except where people that uh, were a little more tuned in already had him. Um, so I ended up with uh, six out of 18 shares. And Musgrave, like, yeah, like uh, you said, like him and Laporta, uh, I would say Kincaid, we got it. Kincaid was already more hype than the uh, Musgrave and Laporta were, but all those rookie tight ends are definitely uh, trying to counteract that rookie tight ends don't produce narrative already. And it looks like they're going to. They're going to get the usage where that's what matters. So, again, uneducated eye like myself, um, Laporta – his movements his like his patterns of movements his fluidity and movement looks looked like a a big wide receiver to me and that's you know that's exactly what we're looking for i have no idea if he's a good blocker i don't know all those more intricate things that like football related things but i see his movement and he had pretty good hands and he's coming from iowa who's obviously has a great track record um with tight ends yeah, and he can break tackles uh, like really well. He's a great yak guy. I showed that off a lot at Iowa. Um, it's funny because I like I, I really don't know who I prefer between Laporta and Musgrave. Uh, me and you made that trade in Wannabe um, like a month or two ago. That it, I, I got Butte, but it, uh, you got David Bell. But it was essentially just Laporta for Musgrave yeah. straight up, and. Um, and, and they win in completely different ways. Uh, like Mus- the reason I'm excited about Musgrave is he gets downfield. Um, he, he had two different targets this uh, week that I want to say had to have been at least 20 plus air yards under them. Uh, and that's out of his four targets. He was uh, three catches, four targets, 50 yards. Um, lost his footing on one, almost walked into the end zone, but. I uh, I am I I can't be more bullish on Luke Musgrave. As, uh, if anyone, if we didn't mention it yet, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. I uh, watch all of their games every year, follow them in camp, all that stuff. Um, cannot recommend Musgrave more as a buy. I uh, was telling one of my buddies uh, literally a couple weeks ago, if I had to pick one single player regardless of position in all of dynasty to raise value between now and December, it would be Luke Musgrave. Uh, just cause for whatever reason, it did not seem like uh, his value was raising at all over the past few weeks when all the camp reports were that he would be the uncontested tight end one. Yeah. He stayed like in that like third, almost fourth at times in rookie yeah. drafts. It was, it was unreal for a while. And then it, he jumped pretty quickly after, after whatever that, <laughs> signal was to everyone else but um we're talking about someone you love this year and i think that's a nice segue to go into someone that i remember you talking a lot about and liking last year and you were out of the game christian kirk so let's talk about the jags a little bit so christian kirk i've never been a fan but i remember again you referenced our chat you know our chat goes in a million different directions but you yeah. know, when it's football season, we're getting a lot of football talk, a lot of opinions, a lot of hot takes with usually some backing behind it. Um, Christian Kirk, you were kind of on an island last year. I remember this. And you you were, you got out in early with them a lot. Um, 
what are your shares looking like now? Are, have, you, have you kind of sold off, I'm hoping? Because he looks, to me, a little dead. No, uh, we got a lot of shares that are in trouble. Uh -oh. now, uh, to be fair, to be fair, I did make a trade today that we're both in a league where everybody in the league kind of uh, agreed that I got Christian Kirk for more than free. Um, so I did just add a, another share today. Uh, yeah, so I did just add another share today, but I have Christian Kirk in 44% of my dynasty leagues right now. Uh, before today's trade, I had him in 7 out of 18. Now I have him in 8 out of 18. And I agree with you. Uh, he, I would not say he's dead. Uh, he's definitely in trouble. Um, so the reason that I liked him last year, I'll try and make it quick, is that, uh, again, the guy I mentioned earlier, a guy that I do follow, uh, Drew DF Bean Counter on Twitter, um, he has a bulletproof system that Christian Kirk was always one of the outliers. That, uh, he was a bulletproof prospect, and he never quite hit but he always had these flashes of when he's healthy, he produces. And um, and uh, that combined with his contract, combined with going to Trevor, who I thought uh, had a chance to be an ascending quarterback, combined with Doug Peterson uh, replacing Urban Meyer, uh, I just wanted to invest everywhere I could in Christian Kirk last year. He seemed like the no-doubt wide receiver one. Uh, he was – you know, being valued at about a mid second round pick overall. Uh, so, so I was like, yeah, give me, a, give this guy to me on every team I can. Uh, I think he ended up with like 14 to 15 points a game last year. He ended up pretty decent. Uh, low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver yeah. two in point per game. And, uh, and I didn't move that many of my shares really. And I just kind of looked to add and I, I, and I did. Uh, I did think Calvin Ridley would take over the alpha spot in that offense this year. And um, I did look to add Calvin Ridley where I could this offseason also. Um, but I think the mistake I made is I thought that Christian Kirk was going to be a no-doubter, uh, like, floor guy still. I, I thought he was going to be, like, a top 36 wide receiver, Here's, top 30. Yeah. Here's the here's the issue is yeah. it's not so much Ridley it's it's Zay Jones it's you know it's yeah. XCN, like yeah. Zay Jones outpaced him it's like this that's tough I, I I personally I love Zay Jones it's like my late late round sleeper that no one seems to care about and always produces um, but that's that's a tough look I, again it's only one week but Ridley looked like him and then you have Zay Jones you have ETN getting twenty plus touches. That's a lot of mouths to feed for, you know, what Kirk is. If, if he's like a, a four catches for 40 yards guy, like, I don't know yeah. what you really do with him. I, I, yeah, I think I mean, you, we could be looking at something like Tyler Boyd after Chase arrived. Um, right. And that would be not great. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be devastating for uh, the share. So, yeah, no, I'm uh, – I'm with you. Uh, I have fully turned from a Christian Kirk guy. Well, I was fully by last year. This year I was completely neutral. Like if anything, I would say I just didn't, 
I should have looked harder to uh, move off some of my shares because I was not as overweight as my shares would indicate this year um, in terms of how I felt about them. Um, and now, yeah, I would I would say it's legitimately time to somewhat panic if you have Christian Kirk. Like, he's not going to return whatever value yeah. you think he was giving you last year. He's, he's not going back to that. And it's one of those things, it's sometimes hard to do, but sometimes you got to cut your losses in Dynasty, like, you know, the sunken fallacy. It's just sometimes you just have to um, bite the bullet, right? So it's like if someone offers you a second, like it might be like that's that's a slam accept for me. Like I'm sprinting to hit accept. Yeah, like do something like that. Or, oh, I, I would say Christian Kirk has hit the level. After week one, I would say he's almost bottomed out to that uh, level of asset where – you can't sell them uh, ISO anymore. You you need to yeah. add into a package for something right. else that you like or something like that. Right. So we're talking dead or potentially dead. Great segue into the Chiefs uh, wide receiver duo, right? So I think oh, we can be pretty quick with this. I think we both know where we're at on this. But Sky and Tony, they're, they're dead, right? I mean, I, I sold Sky for a third. I've seen it for a third a couple other times. I don't love selling him for a third, but it's one of those things that I was so heavily invested in him last year that I need to diversify a little bit. Yeah, you got to get out. Um, yeah, I mean, well, and I, uh, full disclosure, I'm uh, been a Tony fade my entire, his entire career. Yeah. I've never liked Tony. I uh, don't believe in him at all. Uh, so I'm not the right guy to ask for that. Um, I would say that some of the data people would uh, point to, like they always have, his uh, target per route run is insane. And uh, when he's on the field and running routes, they clearly try to get him the ball. Uh, that is true. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't want any part of Sky or Tony at all. Um, I would easily just sell for a third. I would say with Sky, I'm trying to get more than a third. But you you really can't anymore. So, so yeah. So it's 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 you you gotta wait for a game or some some type yeah, of Yeah, you gotta wait for a game that might not be coming. And that's um, why I just I, I did I think I made I traded him twice, but I probably have fifteen shares. So it's like you know, I you gotta diversify. It's just a matter of like with those question marks, like we had somebody in one of our leagues like asking me about, oh, do you wanna buy a sky? Do you wanna buy Elijah Moore? And it's like those are both big question marks to me. Like I already have, I'm pretty exposed to both of them. It's tough to say, Hey, I want to take on more of that unless you're giving me a clear cut value win. Kind of like what you're talking about with Kirk. Like you don't, those aren't guys in my opinion that you want to add on to your, your list. Yeah, agreed. Like they, they're, they basically have to be just give me them for free and fine. I'll do it. Like a, a deal yeah. I would already probably accept without them. Um, right. Uh, right, but yeah, exactly. Rasheed Rice, I have some legitimate interest in. Um, I, I, going back to our rookie discussion, I, I would point him out as a guy that raised his value this uh, this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, not this weekend, but uh, this week's games. Yep. Um, I still don't want to go nuts over it. Um, I like uh, I was I, I'm not a Rice guy. I only have uh, I think one chair maybe. Um, I. It, to me, it was like, hey, I'm not going to fall into the Sky Moore, McCole Hardman trap with Rasheed yeah. Rice. 
Um, and now I feel a little bit differently about that. Like I, I, I would give up a 24 second for Rasheed Rice right now. I think I think it would be situational for me personally. Um, yeah, that makes sense. If, I, if I'm a contender or late 24, maybe um, I'm still maybe an early three, but like or or two threes kind of thing. But he definitely looked decent. But I think we always race in like kind of what you're hitting on to anoint like the next like who's Mahomes' big receiver. And in, in reality, <laughs> we know who it is. We know who it is. It's Kelsey. Yeah, like they, yeah. they looked not great. To be nice on Thursday, I, I I would make the claim that Kelsey in a yearly situation of fantasy, so like redraft a, situ- a situational like super win now team, he is the most valuable in tight end premium. He is the most valuable player you can have of any position. I yeah, think um, I, his, yeah, no, his, I agree. his value add his value add positionally his consistency, his durability. Like, this is the first game he's missed in, like, seven, eight years. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's like another that. takeaway. I mean, but... he's got the best quarterback. Everyone agrees the best quarterback attached to him. I mean, yeah. I, I, um, I've, I've generally faded. I've generally faded Kelsey because it, there's always that one guy in a startup that will take him, like, in the second or third round or something crazy to me. But you can see the the short term obvious obvious gains and values that he provides. So it's I mean I can't get too upset about it I guess. And I'm coming around like redraft. He's he's I take him second or third depending on what kind of build I want to do basically. Yeah no I, I yeah I agree with that. That was definitely one of my big takeaways takeaways watching that Thursday night game is man Kelsey's going to score so much whenever he plays. So yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know if we want to spend too much time on their running backs, but like that, it's kind of a jumbled, in my opinion, a jumbled mess of just like, is it, is it Pacheco? Is it going to be, but Edwards Hilaire going to pop up for a game, which I hate him, but like, is he going to, is, is it McKinnon? McKinnon's a slow starter and seems to come on later in the season usage wise. He was barely used in, in the first game. So it's like one of those things I think that it's kind of I'm only again like we're talking about, those are all tossing guys. And that's all I want him for personally. Yeah, I'm uh dynasty wise, I'm just not too interested in Kansas City's running backs. I'm I'm not buying Pacheco. I obviously I want Pacheco more than McKinnon or CEH. Um I, I just, I just found that the market, I, yeah, I've just found that the market likes Pacheco more than I do. So yeah, I, I don't know what else to do about that. I'm just going to be out on him. Uh, going yep. going back to our point before uh, about Brian Robinson, maybe maybe Brian Robinson is going to be a good running back to compare all these guys to. I I'm not trading Brian Robinson in any sort of plus for Isaiah Pacheco. Right. So like that's that's my view of him as. Um, so I, I, another topic I think we just need to touch on, obviously it played a huge role in week one and hopefully not much longer, but, but uh, it's just the, the general injury. So we're talking Kelsey, we're missing, we're missing Andrews, Cup, Christian Watson, Dobbins goes down, Deontay goes down, Rogers goes down, the list goes on and on. How do we, I guess it's, it's obvious that we can't plan for these things, 
And that's why, like, we talk about the market. You can make a good bet, right? But, like, sometimes good bets lose, right? Like, I had, I, I, I thought I made a good bet yesterday on DraftKings. I, it, was, it was over 199 yards for Rodgers. I think it was a good bet. But play four happens, and then that's, that's toast, right? Yep. Um, no, uh, definitely. Uh, hey, I, uh, I was going to ask you, is there like a way to pause this real quick for just a minute? Yeah. So just in general, I mean, just touching on the, the general like injury risk and like best laid plans. I think it, it's, it's a good, um, story to tell in terms of you don't know what the heck is around the corner. You don't know whose value is going to spike one way or the other. You don't know who's going to go down an injury. So it's, it's kind of like it keeps us in – I would like to think it keeps us in check that it's, it's obviously bigger than dynasty or fantasy, these injuries, right? But, like, in general, the game we're playing is dependent on health and just, you know, durability in that sense as well. Yeah, and I think the way, the way that I look at, uh, like, at least the guys that got hurt um, or are currently hurt uh, this weekend – is I kind of look into team factors in terms of how I'm, I'm going to value them. Um, so, like, we talked about how both of us are definitely down on Pittsburgh's offense after week one. Um, so, to me, it's like when Deontay comes back, what type of ceiling are you looking at right there? You're looking at 12, 13, 14 points a game maybe. Uh, you're looking at being frustrated week to week um, if, if the offense doesn't improve. Um, so, and I would say on the flip side of that, you can look at Cooper Cup and Christian Watson and say, okay, well, without those guys, their offenses, they kicked ass this uh, week. Like they, they look great. Um, so when those guys come back in a few weeks, they might be stepping into an offense that, you know, has it together. And uh, like, uh, I know as a Packers fan, speaking personally, uh, Samaje Toure, I believe his name is, like that guy is not a deep fight. He's not even an NFL player. Uh, replace him with Christian Watson, that's a big difference. Um, you know, obviously we can all imagine what Cooper Cup would do with those 15 Puka top targets. So <laughs> so I, I think I, I kind of look at like what the, what the team did without the player and then that gives you an idea of what you kind of want to do with him overall, I think. I think Puka is a good quick topic when we're on the topic of injuries. And obviously he filled in there. I was reading an article earlier today. I saw on Twitter that it was just a matter of like talking about how there's overreactions that happen after week one every year. And there's always like this, like one or two guys that maybe weren't owned or were super low owned that people are trading for or spending all their FAB on or whatever the case is. And to me, I, I don't I don't know about Puka. Um, I think he might be serviceable, but it's a matter of like I think it's more like kind of a system set situation that like when Cup does come back, like Puka is going away entirely. Like Stafford is a Stafford is notoriously a, a one one guy yeah. QB. So I, I I mean I I do I wish I grabbed him in free agent like on like the the wire like during the off season like for nothing sure but like I'm seeing people trade seconds like 24 seconds for him and it's like this is peak overreaction after week one in my opinion yeah uh, he's a guy I I I don't. 
I don't know what to do with. I like I, I have one share and I'm not moving it for less than a 24 second, and I'm not buying him for a 24 second. Um, so, so, I mean, to that to that point, it's it's a great point that you just made, Matt. Where it's like, and you and I, I think, just kind of take this for granted because we talk about it all the time and live it all the time. But it's like selling and buying are two different things, right? Like. I can say, like, I hate, like, the person that you talk to in trade talks, like, oh, you just paid a second for, or you just sold them for a second here. Like, yeah, that doesn't mean I want to buy them for a second. That's just not, that's just not how it works. It's the opposite of how it works, right? Like, we're looking for profit and, like, and, like, risk uh, suppression, basically, where it's like, yeah, I'll sell Puka for a second because, like, we're, like, even if he hits, I don't see him as being more than a second, right? But if he doesn't, right. I'm profiting. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, I would say that uh, the the thing that worries me with uh, with Puka, and uh, this might be like a non sequitur because uh, they're two entirely different players and prospects. But I remember personally uh, a couple years ago, I got extremely excited about Rondell Moore who was a guy that I was already a little bit excited about. And then uh, the he started off his career four catches for 68 yards. And then in week two, he had seven catches for 114 yards and a touchdown. And after that, it was just wheels up to me. I was like, yes, Rondell, give, give me all the Rondell. Uh, there was one league I paid a first and a second for him. Um, and... So so, so yes, do not overreact to Puka's 15 target, 10 catch, 112 yard game. That it's awesome, but don't overreact to it. <laughs> so I, I'm in a home league and my team is loaded um, in this in this league. And that's you know, humble brag. But I had Rondell Moore. I got him like, you know, whatever, late second in the rookie draft. You know, I I, I didn't hate him. <laughs> I saw I saw his limitations. I saw his his track record um, trend in the wrong direction in college. Yeah. Um, he was a super early producer that kind of had a terrible last go of it. A little injured, little this, little that. He's obviously small. I sold him for my late 20, my late, it must have been 22 first or 23 first, whatever the year after him. And, and Rondell, Rondell for Jefferson. So like that's oh, definitely one of my all-time clobberings where it was like they and it was after week two, like you're talking about. So he had great, a really good first week, awesome second week. Everyone thought he was gonna explode. Everyone was talking about how Kyler and that that offense was gonna explode, and then it was just like absolute like nosedive right after. And I don't think this is a I don't think this is a great comparable situation, but I do think it's something to keep your eye on with both of us in terms of me and you are very bullish right now on Zay Flowers. Yeah. Uh, there's an argument to be made. Those touches were manufactured. They were without a competent running game. Um, they were without Mark Andrews, et cetera. Um, the, the, the targets were low A dot targets. Uh, yeah. You, you, you want to see Zay win in those intermediate routes, uh, you know, before – going too crazy with him it's it's something that we're chasing that next big guy in like the zay situation for sure and i think we talked about this briefly this morning that it was a matter of like i almost see it as when i get too bullish on a guy like you like you're saying i'm like almost instantly turning him into a cell right so yeah. it's like 
right now, like if someone were to offer me a one and a two for Zay, um, as, as, as long as it's not like a shirt shoe in like 112, like I'm probably doing it. Right. So like, it's something that I'll, I'll, I'll at least think about. Cause it's like, if you're going to pay me for like next to close to his, we'll, we'll say not his ceiling, but close to it. I mean, okay, we'll cut it. We'll cut our losses and understand that this is a pretty fickle game that sometimes we're wrong and our egos get in the way or our excitement gets in the way. And we don't, turn the profit when we have an op obvious opportunity for it. I, and I, I do think, uh, I, I would say a lot of people that are in 10 plus leagues probably already have an idea about this, but if you are in a lot of leagues, uh, at least let's say 10, um, I do think that's a great, great thing that uh, can't be overstated enough. If, if you have FOMO on a guy or trouble buying a guy, look at the couple shares you have and see, okay, nobody wants to sell this guy. Can I go get, you know, whatever for him? Like, no, nobody wants to sell me Zay Flowers. Okay, can I sell Zay Flowers in like a late first for Garrett Wilson or CD Lamb or something? Like, uh, let, let me go look at that. Um, people, so I think that's a good way to approach the market. People people are very high on Zay right now. I, I got a couple for, for, for teams that I already had Zay. Um, and it was, or I'm sorry that I already had, like, I, I think the one I'm thinking of was like Wilson. It was like Zay for Wilson. And it was like, I'm giving up Wilson for Zay. And it was like, wait, what? Like, we're hoping that Zay becomes Wilson. We're, we, it's, it's just like, you know, the classic, like overreaction. And I guess we can't judge market off of like one or two people's offers, but to, for me, you know, uh, you, you know, you said you're 18. I'm in like three times that. And it's, <laughs> it's shockingly um, apparent when certain people have maybe gotten hyped up on Twitter or, you know, everyone's excited about because they saw Zay do this cool thing on Red Zone or Garrett Wilson's quarterback just went down, like all these things that like people we know, we see it overreacting. You can kind of predict like, I bet you people ask me for this guy or that guy tomorrow sort of thing. So it's like, it's almost like you get a feel for that market that people can say, Hey, you know, go to keep trade cut or this thing or that thing, or I have this calculator and you and I, and a lot of other people that are really deep into dynasty right now already kind of have that pulse that like, I don't, I don't need to know like what a thousand leagues that like are maybe people that I don't trust their process are doing. Well, we have the process of a lot of other people. Yeah, I, I so I think it's that, and I uh, so, but I also want to be careful not to uh, completely kind of uh, put one side is overreacting because uh, to me, to me, the beauty of dynasty is you have to react quickly. Um, yeah. The the uh, because like if Zay is putting up twenty seven percent target share in week seven, he's going to be untouchable. You're you're going to have to pay three first for him. Um, so like if, if you have to pay a first and a second right now, yeah, he could be Rondell and he bites you, but he could be Garrett Wilson. And then you just stole that guy for a, a first plus of value. Um, so, and so are you paying a one and two? What's that? No, no, I think, I think your uh, Zay has moved himself into a solidly first round value and yeah, he was a late first, uh, this year. 
but everybody understood the tier gap after 106 this year. Um, and then he fell in that Laporta or not uh, that Kincaid, uh, Quinn Johnson, yeah. Addison, uh, right yep. after that tier. But, but yeah, I, I would say there, there is something to the fact that uh, a lot of the times on rookies, you need to act quickly. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So we've, we've talked a lot about rookies and I want to touch on one more person. You know, this is one of my guys. Um, Quentin Johnson, right? So, like, I, I again in our chat, like, I joke throughout the whole offseason, throughout all of last football season, QJ, you know, wide receiver one. Do I think that's still a very real possibility? Sure. Um, am I disappointed with how he started? No, because honestly, he had more, in my opinion, in week one, more of a typical like receiver first week. You know, like if you if you go back like historically, like to these big guys that pop, most of them aren't blowing up in week one. You know, no. Jefferson. I I remember buying Jefferson in like week three or four everywhere because it was like you know he looks the part. Not necessarily working out that way right away, but it's it's going to come. And people were doubting him because of Cousins and this, that, and other thing, and they like to run and blah blah blah. I think Quentin Johnson, especially if like Mike Williams is is down for some time. Um, I mean, him and Keenan Allen, they, they, the offense looked dynamic against Miami. That was by far the most fun game of the weekend, in my opinion, Miami and, and the Chargers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, easily. So so that is, I mean, Eckler, Josh, but Josh Kelly, like, I'm not, I'm definitely not, like, saying, like, hey, go and buy Josh Kelly for this or that. But, like, Josh Kelly has been written off by – Countless, countless people. He looked pretty, looked pretty good, and he's never going to get the volume if if Eckler's healthy. Yeah. But I mean, he was pretty, pretty damn efficient. Um, the Chargers are super interesting to me this year. I'm, 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 I'm a Herbert guy, as you probably know. But um, what, what, what did, what did you see from just the Chargers specifically? We'll talk about the Dolphins here in a sec. So, man, I. Just personally, I really do, do not like Joshua Kelly. And uh, to to be fair, I have not. I did not watch this week's game. Uh, I did see a stat line that was impressive. Like I think it was like seventeen carries, ninety yards, like some uh, and a touchdown. Um, uh, so it looks like they used him to kind of to kind of punish uh, Miami, uh, the Vic Fangio defense that's aggressive in terms of. Um, playing against the pass versus the run. Um, I don't want any part of Joshua Kelly. I It does seem like that he is I, – I agree with you. It seems like he's a running back tone if, it, if it's not Eckler. But uh, I don't have the stats in front of me. I feel like we've seen that happen before. Like it gives you 12 carries, 40 yeah. yards, one catch, three yards. Like I, I don't want him. Um, he's, he's another guy that I'm buying for cheap selling for over like right so like yeah again if, if someone's like oh i'll give you a like an eckler owner's like oh i'll give you this for josh kelly like i'll, I'll roll the dice yeah sure i'll take that well, stuff. and really i mean to your point like there's probably i mean i feel like i represent probably a lot of the type of dynasty players out there where um, you know, I, I'm in a few leagues and I, I kind of, I, I follow Twitter probably closer than most, uh, dynasty players, but, um, 
like I, I feel like I'm just the type of person that I've seen Joshua Kelly over the last two years. I have no interest in him. And if I have Joshua Kelly on my team, maybe you can get him off me for a third round pick. And, you know, that helps you through some bye week type things. So um, so he might be an interesting buy just in terms of like the market is I'm, I'm sure the market know, thinks he's bad and knows he's bad. Um, so that much I'm sure of. So I, th- I think if anything, um, like you were saying, the usage, the usage plus the p- public perception might make Kelly kind of an interesting buy. It's so disgusting to me to think of it that way. Like I, it's not a guy I yeah. ever want to monitor, but. I want to make it very, 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 very clear by Crystal. Yeah. It, this is not Josh Kelly's standalone value hour. That's not what we're talking about. That's, this is simply, I think he's oh, one of those yeah. guys, based based how he looked on week one, he's an interesting handcuff. That's yeah. that's as pure, like that's that's as clear cut as I can make it. That's how I'm viewing him, where I have him, unless someone wants to overpay for him, I'll sell him. But no, I'd agree with that. Saying, I don't think the market's gonna be there. And, and to go back to the uh, QJ point just real quick, I would say, and I, it, it might change for each personal player, but to me, uh, week four is when you really need to react in Dynasty. Like, if, if QJ is getting three targets in week four, I'm, I'm heavily concerned. Week one, I don't care. And like you, if anything, I'm trying to go buy more QJ right now. Um, but I need to see him involved uh, by week four or five. And I I will say for QJ personally, I do think the, the market has gotten smarter over the last couple of years. I think the market has gotten a better understanding and tolerance of situation. And I think he, they know that QJ is solidly behind Keenan and Mike Will no matter what this year. Uh, so I think all of that will be baked into his price this year. But I, you, we still need to see him producing – more than Josh Palmer would have in that role by like weeks five, six, seven, I would say. I'm personally hoping for like kind of a slower next couple of weeks because that will definitely, people can know one thing and do another, right? So the panic is in a set in regardless whether yeah. they've heard it or not. Like they're rolling three or something like that. They're staring at another L, they're facing their friend, whatever, like, they want to beat that person. They don't want Quentin Johnson in there and getting three catches for 17 yards kind of thing. You know, so I think that's interesting. And now going to the other extreme, Tyreek Hill, unreal, 200 plus yards. We've seen it, it seems like every other week. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how I feel anyways. What I think is interesting about him is I saw him sold left and right in the off season. And it was because I think it's because Everyone wants to play the long game, which I understand, and you know me, you know, I play a lot of long games, but he, those those two years, it's kind of like Kelsey, that it's like, he's giving you insane blow up weeks and value that it's like, who cares? It's two years. Like it's two years where you're going to kick the shit out of people. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think Kelsey, Kelsey is his natural comparison, I think. And if anything, I would trust Tyreek to be elite two years from now more than Kelsey. Um, but uh, and and I think CMC also, you could say, is in that in, in that category. Um, but yeah, uh, to me, if I have Tyreek on a contender, I literally am. I'm, I'm straight up declining any offer that anyone is trying to consider his like retirement into consideration. Like if you're talking to me at all about that, then we're not going to be on the no, same page. Totally um, 
but uh yeah i would say um yeah uh tyreek is worth two first round picks Um, i'll also say this that tyreek hill for his career it's never made sense to me that people sell him in the offseason his greatest impact is when he has games like he had on sunday that like gets everyone buzzing like his value like the day on saturday before the game and sunday after the game it's not it's night and day like not that it was ever super low, but I was seeing like, you know, singular ones or like maybe a low or hot or, you know, like a late one, early two type of combination for him. And now it's like, like you're saying, like he's almost like, a, like everyone's going to view him untouchable because it's like, I just had a 40 point game. He won me the week. That is the time for guys like him. That's when you sell them. You don't sell Kelsey in the offseason. You don't sell Hill in the offseason. You wait for them to blow up a game and then you sell them if, if that's what you're hard desires i guess yeah that league that we're in three peat uh mm-hmm. i have the two of tyreek stack and literally a bunch of mid guys we're talking godwin dj moore aj dylan i i do have austin eckler on the team but like my qb2 is like jared goff um and, and we're talking like, 14, 14 team league more, like, yeah, yeah yeah 14 team league and like I, I believe I led the league in points this week, uh, starting like AJ Dillon and Sky Moore and a couple other like no name guys that got me nothing, uh, because uh, Tua and Tyreek combined for seventy five. Yeah. Like it's it's just yeah. it, it's so hard to overstate that. And like uh, it, it it's almost like I mean I feel like we could spend fifteen minutes on Tyreek Hill. Uh, like I, I, if you wanted to say. I think there's a good argument to be made. He's better than Justin Jefferson right now in their career. Now, that's not a dynasty argument, but like the best wide receiver in the NFL right now is probably Tyreek Hill, in my opinion. Um, I, I think he can beat you in more ways than Jefferson can. Um, and but 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 I mean that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, Ty, uh, I think Tyreek is. Here's what I would say. I think Tyreek probably put himself a notch, a deservedly a notch above uh, his mates like Devontae Adams, Diggs, and Cooper Cooper Cup's injury, but um, might have changed things. But like Devontae and Diggs are on that Tyreek level. I would I would pay a two above those two guys to get Tyreek Hill on my team. Yeah, I I think that makes sense. Um, I think Tyreek has always been about the pop, right? So, like, he gets you the 200-yard games, where I think Devontae has has more – not that he's not putting up big numbers, but he's more of just like a steady Eddie where it's like you're getting, you know, seven or eight catches, you're getting 110 yards, you're getting a touchdown. You know, like, that is outstanding. Yeah, and he'll have the big games too. But, yeah, yeah, he'll – yeah, I agree. But I also – I also almost strangely feel like Tyreek's floor has been raised in Miami. Um, like they, they, I feel like he has less dud games, and that could just be wrong. Like I, I didn't research this, so I, the stats might not back me up on this. But it, I just feel like his floor is safer than it used to be in Kansas City. Maybe because of I Kelsey. think he's, I think he's getting a higher volume of targets. Again, I, I haven't looked into it either um, directly. Yeah. Um, but it definitely feels like he's, I mean, he's very clearly being force fed as like the wide receiver one, like, and Tua speaking, just like transition quick was, we can't, you know, overlook him. Yeah. Tua's got obviously his group of haters. 
Like he's very, 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 very accurate. He understands the touch that he needs to get those two guys involved, him and Waddle. Um, I mean, I was I was a Tua guy for a while. Then I would, you know, I would see people talk a little bit too highly of him, and I almost kind of went contrarian and was like, oh, I got to get off of Tua because he can't run. He doesn't have a strong arm, but like he's super accurate. His arm's not as bad as I, I think, at least I originally thought or was judging him as. Um, and, and obviously he's supporting last year and then so far this year, Waddle and Tyreek to elite numbers. So it's it's hard to hard to knock any of these three on the Dolphins right now. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to buy Tua, Tyreek, Waddle, wherever I can. Um, I, it's funny, I already saw a, a, a poll that Zoltan, our, our, our buddy Dynasty Zoltan on Twitter, uh, had today where he had a poll of just Tua versus Fields straight up. And Tua was 60% versus Fields 40%. <laughs> and there was a solid two-round gap in startup value a week ago uh between yep. these guys um and you know like that 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 type experience. of stuff that type of stuff kind of uh was the genesis of you and i talking about starting a pod like this together but um it, those type of fluctuations cannot be overstated enough and i feel like they're often ignored in terms of uh analysis of uh trades when they happen we we have we know a lot less than we think we do. Uh, think, think of the smartest person that you know when it comes to dynasty football. That person knows way less than even they probably think that they do about who these players are going forward. Um, I, I just feel like we just ought, we just always as a community underestimate that. I think it's important. It's, it's a great point. Yeah. It's it's a it's obviously it's not just a fantasy skill, but like identifying what you're good and not good at, what you do and don't know. I think it reared its ugly head in Dynasty because people kind of get their egos sometimes in the way, and I think we all fall victim to it at times. Where it's like I want to be right about this guy because this was my guy and yada yada yada. Yeah, and it's something that I mean, you can't react one way or the other, but other people are and you have to understand that that pocket or gap in value like this fields and Tua, you might not like fields or you might not like Tua, but like if you understand that it's a two round shift like you're saying over a day in one game it's it's something that you could easily make a move that is then going to give you two or three or four moves down the line like we talked about when you're building up that surplus when you're building up that you know equity that you then can turn into you know juggernaut moves huge moves that like you seemingly make almost every day <laughs> maybe five ten times a day <laughs> yeah and i uh i i think that's the biggest part of it is that um looking it's hard to kind of uh, it's kind of hard to make moves around like uh, a lot of that uncertainty. But as long as you're not worried about it, um, 
I, I, I think you just kind of have to like embrace that. Like you have to embrace the fact that like uh, these values are going to change quickly. And I would say there's maybe 10 to 15 players in the entire NFL who's, who have completely insulated value. And now that I think about that, I, I think my list is high. I think it's more like eight to 10 players in the entire NFL who, when I say completely insulated value, I mean, they're going to tear their ACL today and tomorrow their value will not change that much. Um, and we're talking Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Foundation, guys. The, yeah. the top eight quarterbacks. Fields is not in that category. Um, and he's a late first round startup pick. I don't think Bijan Robinson is in that category, and he's in that he's a late first round startup pick. Uh, so I we're talking about like ten guys that to me have absolutely no questions at all about their value insulation. Um, right. And then to me, from there, all these guys can drop two to three rounds uh, in startup value within four to five weeks. I mean, we see it every year. Um, so uh, to me, that that's like a, a big thing to keep in mind with all these trades there, uh, like our, uh, our boy, little finger on game of Thrones says chaos is a ladder. Like this is a time of year to take advantage of that. Preach on. I mean, we saw it, you know, we were talking before we got on here, we're in a league together that you, me and one other team trying to tank off basically right yeah and it just led to this spiral of trades that got all sorts of different commentary this is this was this person got killed this person ruined the league that person did that and it was like it was all start it all started with just like a whisper of just like okay well this person wants to be 101 actually i want to be 101 right like everyone's chasing caleb williams or b john robinson or whoever that next big guy is right so it's it's important to like i think some other guys in the league were like oh man i'm sorry i missed out on this or i missed out on that window or gap that we talked about that those things happen and you have to you have to be ready for it you know it maybe doesn't happen as quickly as ours did today. It, it was, you know, a matter of hours, like three teams completely changed, um, either positively or negatively. That's up to you. But um, you have to be ready to, at a moment's notice or a day's notice, make a move and not sit on your hands while someone else is, right? Because if you're not, someone else is, and then it's, you're, you know, your, your value is potentially lost. Yeah, and like with this being a podcast about trading and, and values and all that, um, you know, that league is a perfect league to mention. Um, like you said, me, you, and this other guy uh, were in a three-way uh, tank for Caleb. And uh, this guy had already made some trades where uh, it's safe to say he lost on value by a, a decent bit uh, to go in that tank direction. And so it was clear this guy was going to get rid of any players that he had to make sure he got Caleb. Like everybody knew this going in. And uh, my team is terrible in that league. Uh, definitely before this trade, it was. Uh, I was. I had Anthony Richardson, uh, Zay Flowers, Dotson, Rasheed Rice. Like uh, I'm, I'm literally naming the next most valuable players on my team. So, it, uh, like you said, like you said, it was in line for like 102. And uh, 
so so yeah, uh, I was like, all right, okay, this guy wants Caleb no matter what. Uh, he has Joe Burrow, Mark Andrews. Let me see, like, he has Garrett Wilson. Let me see what he's willing to give up to make sure he gets Garrett. Um, so he, he's counting my first as, uh, as an early pick, I'm sure. Uh, this guy, uh, uh, this other guy in the league has early to mid first, I would say. Not early, though, but, like, probably 106. And then another first that's late, uh, 110 to 112. Um, and then my second, which would be an early to mid second. Uh, so those three firsts and a second, uh, after a few counters, traded him those three firsts and a second uh, for Joe Burrow, Mark Andrews, and Christian Kirk. And uh, going back to our earlier discussion, I did not want to add any additional Christian Kirk. Like, literally, he was the only guy on the team that made sense. It was like, Christian Kirk or Deion Jackson. Like, okay, I'm not that down on yeah. Christian Kirk. Like, I'll, I'll take him. Um, so, so I, so I took him in that trade, and and uh, and that's the thing about uh, staying flexible. Like, uh, so I'm still somewhat rebuilding it. Not even somewhat. I'm still rebuilding in that league, and I do not have my first round pick anymore. But uh it's important to stay flexible like that because I, uh you literally look at the trade and like i penciled that tr- uh pick in for 102 and i was like i will still do this trade like oh like if, if he gets caleb and i get 102 i i still like getting joe burrow mark andrews and christian kirk for three first round picks that aren't caleb williams um i mean sp- specifically burrow is that's the type of guy that you want Caleb to me, right? So like, right. So yeah, you it just, makes total. You have a, a foundational piece. Like you're looking for a foundational piece with 101 in, in reality, or you're trying to trade and get someone to give you a ton of stuff. Those are the two options, right? Like so, especially when there's a you know a fond upon player like Caleb. So I think it makes yeah. total sense. I, I mean, we can we can we can debate for an hour about like all the different decisions that were made between everyone, but it's a matter of like. As long as, as long as that all the people in the league have like some type of clear cut route that they're going, it's, it's never going to break a league. Right. So like you can always recover from stuff as long as you um, understand where your next step is and where you're, where you're fed, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. So, so I wanted to just, we're talking about like some foundational pieces. I know for me, um London, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Are we worried? Are we worried about their quarterback play? Are we worried about their offense in general? I know we, we just talked about how we're, you know, we're both high in Bijan, but like, you know, receiving and like, you know, Pitts had a great rookie year. London had a very solid rookie uh rookie campaign. Like Yeah, I wish I remember. Are we concerned? I, I wish I remember who said this. Uh, I saw a tweet today um, that I, it just mirrored what I felt of, about Kyle Pitts and Drake London, where they were basically saying, hey, look, all of us that follow the, uh, for lack of a better word, analytics about all of these prospects and players, look, we understand the target share argument for Kyle Pitts and Drake London. We understand uh, the peripheral numbers that suggest that these guys are elite talents that we should invest in early and hold on to. 
but there is somewhat of a catch a falling knife thing by trading for either one right now in dynasty in terms of it's like why would you expect their production to get better this year? I, I, I just would not. Um, so if you want to invest in either one of them, it, it's hard when like, let's say like uh, if someone's offering you Drake London for Zay Flowers based on the reaction and the polls that we've seen on Twitter, that's a trade you can do. And uh, me and you are both taking the London side on that uh, as excited as we are about Zay Flowers. Um, but like, in, unless you can do something like that and just take over, take advantage of a one week overreaction, I would kind of caution on buying either one of London or Pitts right now. I feel like they will be available from, for the same price, uh, three months from now. And to me, if they're not, that would confuse me because to me, the London and Pitts owner by now. By now, the London and Pitts owners should believe in them, and they should understand the fallacy of trading them low under uh, bad circumstances and all, all that stuff. By now, London and Pitts should be on the team that, like, believes in them. And I they're think me, – They're me and you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So, like um, – so I, I, I don't see any advantage in buying them right now, and I think their production is not going to – warrant any kind of bump this year i would be surprised by that so I, I i think you're looking at best at like you could probably buy them for the same cost in january um right. but uh again this is uh a key part of any type of trading any type of value discussion always comes down to knowing your league mates right and i could be wrong like you could be in the league where the guy that uh just got drake london in a trade like two months ago and doesn't really like him and now he's freaking out about the goose egg and he'll trade you him for, you know, whatever. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, there's always differences. Know your league mates, uh, definitely throw out feelers, but I would say I, I'm not buying London or Pitts from like you, for example. Um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait until like uh, there's a better buy opportunity. I uh, just on this point in general, it's not necessarily, it's not exclusive to Pitts or London, but I think they're good examples. You can learn a lot from like league, the, just the league chat. Like, yeah, we've, we've talked about people being on tilt or like, we'll talk, you know, separately and be like, man, this guy really just, he wants this guy off his team. Right. And you're, you're going to have them basically have this internal deadline in their head that they're putting pressure on themselves that they're then they're they're selling the guy by the end of the day you kind of know that they're selling it and it's just a matter of waiting them out or you know just being patient in general and you're going to get that player so like to me like again i'm not searching out buying london or burks or like guys that i'm already pretty exposed to yeah but like if I see someone in the league chat just like talking about like, oh my God, Burks can't get any targets and Tannehill sucks and this, this and that, you know, maybe it's right, but like I still I still trust my valuation of that player. If I still believe in that guy, like you you can still find windows. Like you're like it just like Christian Kirk, like at some point the cost is right and you're gonna get that guy and then you you're just hoping worst case you can flip them or something later on when that value you know boosts back up to where it should be even if it's not back to the ceiling it's back to like normal drake london value versus what it was because he had two bad weeks 
Yeah, um, and I would say, I mean, we could almost preface literally every trade discussion we have with, like, know your league mates, man, because, like, uh, I feel like that point cannot be overstated enough. We, um, it, me and you have certain trade offers. I'm sure we would not even consider sending to each other that we'll send to certain uh, league mates that just because we know how they react to certain news. Um, and, uh, you know, not going to not gonna call any of them out by name, but there's a couple that I'm thinking of that, like, uh, you just see them in the like, like to your point, you just see them in the chat after every big play or every big fumble or every like this guy tweaks his leg and he's in the chat like tilting like these guys kind of expose themselves. And like you, you kind of know who we're talking about when we talk about the players in your league that are wear their heart on their sleeve type thing in the chat. And like they're they're, they're giving you information that they don't even know that they're giving you. Um, in terms of trading with them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say always listen to that, man. Like, uh, like if, if you have the time in your schedule, pay attention to the words in the league chat and the actions of the transactions that your league mates are making, for sure. And this, this, this doubles down on what I talked about at the beginning here, where it's like you don't have to be a football guy to pick up on these types of yeah. news, right? And that's that's the big thing to to realize that, especially if you're just like relying on like if it's like oh yeah Zoltan says this guy is good, and here's why, and he gives you evidence or whoever your favorite you know person is, then use that and understand that you can leverage um, you know potential value off of. And I I would say. I would say uh, you can even leverage it against uh, what I would say are sharper league mates in terms of uh, like the Trey Lance thing is a perfect example. Um, like back in uh, January, uh, December, January, February, you could have easily had a good read on that situation. And like, you know what? I see what these guys saw in Trey Lance. He's not going to be it. Uh, he He's way worse than Purdy in every split game scenario. Uh, I, I think they're either going to bring Purdy back or if he's not healthy, they're going to bring in someone else. I just want off the Lance train. Um, and you could find some sharper people uh, back in January that would have given you a mid first for Trey Lance. Um, so again, that's kind of knowing your league mates and being like, uh, if a guy has a darling like analytical profile and you don't like that guy, you can go, it does not need to be like the taco of your league that you go to. You can, you can offload a guy to a guy who knows what he's doing and he's just willing to take that educated gamble on the risk of reward profile of the guy. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that's another way to look at it. And I think what you're describing and what some other people that I've seen or heard in terms of like preying on people, this is not this is not preying. It's just picking up on non-verbal or sometimes verbal cues that like so-and-so is giving this I don't want this player, right? Versus like you trying to trick this person or like, like that's that's like when I kind of like, yeah, you know, not to use this negatively, but like the, like the used car salesman type stuff when they get in the chat and they're just like, oh man, you know, this guy's worth this. And why would you want to pay that for that person where you're just like, it all feels like a load of shit basically where, you know, that's not, to me, that's like, that's not what the game's about. Like, that's that's not you're not trying to like swindle people like you and I and I think a lot of people in a good way 
will, you know, I, I know sometimes I'm going to lose trades, right? And, you know, I, I know that the chat, especially like, you know, kind of teases me about it, that it's like, I'm, I'm never going to try and like lose value. Sometimes it happens, right? I think I, I think I gained some value up today in, in the yeah. league, right? So it's like, sometimes those opportunities come up and even if it is value given, it might work out for my roster, my build. Yeah. And, and to that point, like, uh, yeah, definitely. There, there should not be any kind of negative connotation about going after like you know the weaker or less knowledgeable players in your league. Because uh, a perfect example of what I was saying in terms of you can actually punch up uh, at, at times if you if you think you know where uh, where where the story is going. Uh, is a guy that I would say knows a lot more than I do about Dynasty and how to be successful at it, Dynasty Zoltan. In, uh, in, in that uh, league that popped off today, Target Sharing League, back in uh, June or July, I made a trade with him where I, I specifically targeted him. And at the time, he was rebuilding, and now, now he's flipped to contender. But um, at the time, he was rebuilding, and I knew he would accept this trade as soon as I sent it. And I sent him Trey Lance for Joe Mixon straight up. I got Joe Mixon. He got Trey Lance. And uh, that was an example of a trade where I wasn't targeting someone less knowledgeable. I was targeting someone that knew the risk or knew the reward that came with Trey Lance's profile and understood the risk and was willing to buy the risk for the reward. And I, I, I would say today that trade looks awesome, uh, of course, um, even even if you don't like Joe Mixon at all, you're taking him on any build over Trey Lance, I think. So um, so those are the, like, that, that's what I mentioned when in terms of like, uh, if, if you see the writing on the wall, it's okay to just get out on a player and you don't need to target like the 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 gullible guys in your league you, like like mike knew what he was doing when he made that trade he he knew full well that trey's value could go to zero within a month and it's not like mixon had a lot of upside to offer it was just a productive running back to throw in the flex so right um so i, th I think those are it, like we said it just comes down to knowing the league personnel and no matter what type of uh player someone is there should be a way to try and target an inefficiency of theirs is what I would say. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's something that, I mean, we've spent a lot of time on, on it tonight, obviously. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking about it again and we'll be talking about it again and again and again. Right. So it's history repeats itself in this sense. Um, we'll keep belaboring the point. Um, but I want to touch on a few other things before we wrap up tonight. Um, I think we can combine a couple here and, you know, just basically, again, we'll, we'll do week one over reactions or maybe not, you know, there were some projected bad defenses that maybe are, maybe they're not as bad as we thought they were. Right. So like, you know, we're thinking Colts, Rams, Bucks, Pats, do, do we see any real sustainable production from any of those or any ones that I didn't list that maybe were, you know, on the top of, you know, the sexy list before the season started that might pop up there as a nice little uh, darling. No. So those were the uh, teams that I was looking at um, the Rams uh, Colts, Rams, Bucks, and Pats. Um, to me, I would kind of split them up right into two groups. Um, 
I would say the Bucks and Pats looked better than we thought week one. I am not trying to buy into that offense too much, um, except our boy Pop Douglas, who uh, is like our our group chat favorite, uh, Demario Douglas, uh, nicknamed Pop Shot, Pop Shotta. I'm not really sure, but uh, Pop, Pop Douglas on the Patriots. He's like a six round rookie wide receiver that uh, folks like, um, but no. Uh, I, so I would split them up though, right? Like uh, Patriots and Bucks. I did. Uh, Patriots and Buccaneers have not uh, swayed my opinion of their offense week one. Um, I thought the Patriots were better than I expected against the Eagles. I'm still not excited about anyone in that offense except Hunter Henry might be a pretty solid low end or tight end one. Um, and the Bucks, uh, the Bucks. I would say that. People probably faded Godwin and Mike Evans too far. Um, I'm not excited about that offense, but uh, I mean, people were acting like they were going to put up 12 points a game. I think they're showing that Baker can probably run like an okay offense. They're going to be bottom 15 in points. Uh, I would expect all that. They're not going to be good, but they, uh, given Mike Evans and Godwin's talent level and their costs that they currently are, I would say that they're pretty solid buys, and that, but the the to, the two to me that are interesting are the Rams and Colts. Um, like uh, people had those as legitimately two of the four or five worst teams in the league this year. Uh, they thought that the offense would be in shambles without Cup, like Stafford's injuries, all that. Um, the Colts were expected to be kind of a disaster. You no know, wide receivers outside of Pittman, et cetera. And I, uh, if there's still kind of that value market gap perception, I'm I'm trying to take advantage of that. Like I, I, I want some of the Rams and Colts offensive players now, and I would not have maybe said that a couple of days ago. It, I mean, I think they're they're definitely worth monitoring. That's there's no doubt about it. To me, like I think I, I think I'm on the same page with you. Colts, Rams, those are two. Those are two teams that I think I could I could see having some fun weeks, some fun um, growth in player value. I'm I'm a little less into the box and pass at the moment, but um, I'm a Ram guy, so we'll we'll see. Uh, Ram, I mean, Rodgers, yeah. not Rams. I would say with the Rams, especially. Um... With the Colts, I just think it's AR, really. I just want AR yeah. everywhere I can. Uh, yeah. but, but I do think Pittman's more viable than he was before. Um, and then I'm I'm really not sure about anyone else besides AR, yeah. to be honest. But, uh, man, if, if McVay and Stafford, uh, like if Stafford's healthy and McVay and Stafford are just going to give it an honest go of it this year, I, I want every pass catcher on the Rams. Like, honestly. Yeah. I, people I, I, people if, seem to, like, Stafford, people just forget, like, Stafford has up and down seasons, but when he's like, when he's healthy, when he's right. Yeah. It's not always like tons of wins in the, you know, in, you know, wins and losses in real football sense, but he's going to produce some things if he's healthy. Just, I mean, it's just, that's what his whole career says. And also it kind of felt like some people kind of, and, and I was guilty of this too, I think, cause I definitely was, not investing in Rams players this offseason, but uh, I feel like uh, some of us have forgotten what McVay is as a play caller. 
And uh, he does not need three elite offensive weapons to, to call a great offense. Like he, he needs a good quarterback and he needs to give him some protection. And yeah, like I, I'm not saying Stafford's like some mid to high end level QB one this year or anything like that. Uh, but if Stafford's upright and they're trying to contend and they definitely look like they were trying to compete this year, uh, it, yeah, I, I want any type of pass catchers on the Rams uh, at cost right now. Any of them. Give me Tutu Atwell and Buka. I And that's the thing, right? Like uh, Tutu, I'm pretty sure you can get Tutu for cheap right now. But Buka, I don't know, man. People might just be like uh, out of pocket with his cost. So I, I don't have a good idea of what the Puka market is. I have not seen any trades go down since his game. Um I, I it seems like a mid tw- mid to late twenty four second is about where the community settled, uh, which I think is fair. Um, I saw a second, yeah, one time. Yeah, a second yeah. I think is fair. Are you are you selling in for any second right now? I'm selling in for any second. Yeah, any second? yeah. It's it's just one of those things. Like it, you know, sometimes you're wrong. It, but I don't think he's. I don't think his ceiling's much higher than that. Even if he's something, so it's like one of those. I mean, it, I don't see yeah. like the, the opportunity of keeping him is not worth it. Yeah, no, that makes so, sense. If someone wants to pay that, but I, I get on the other side too. If someone's like really excited, and they're like, "Oh, this is like the new cup or something like that." I don't know, but I don't. I don't. I just don't see it, but. Um, no, and it, I, I, I think I, I'm, I'm wrong all the time. So, like, that's that's just how I I'd, I'd rather just like, you know, like blackjack. You, I don't, I don't play around with like, you know, sometimes hitting on sixteen. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Like, it's I'm settling. I'm I'm either doing one or the other. I'm not going to play around with it. No, and I I think the blackjack's uh, analogy is a great one because uh, to me, you don't want to get caught up in the individual case-by-case nature of a lot of these trades you just want to say okay dealer has a seven i have a 16 i'm i'm folding like uh that type of shit you you really don't want to be like well you know i saw this guy make this one catch this one time and uh, just look at the profile look at the data look at like the comparable players and uh just decide that way this guy is probably not going to break the mold um but also yeah i could see the other side in terms of you don't want to give that guy up uh, after 15 targets, but this is Puka. To me, Puka is a great case of uh, his value is going to change week by week by week until it settles. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so this, this just our last topic. I want to touch on something that I think is like an important, <laughs> I think pretty commonly talked about thing, but I just wanted to, you know, you know, make reference to it real quickly, but buying futures, not to jump completely to a different settle here, but we were just talking about seconds, but um, yeah. buying futures is, it's a great time to do it right now, right? Yeah. So like buy them now, I think there's a lot of people that wait until draft time or rookie hype or literally in the draft and you're just getting bent over on trades. This is the time that like, I know like some people I hear, I'll see in chat like, oh, I don't even know if I'll be alive in 2025. It's like, yeah. all right, well, I mean, sure, but if, if, if I can buy a 2025 one because no one cares about it or they're not thinking about it and they're like, oh, I, I would love to get this guy that can help me right now, my my 2025 
one is going to turn into something real nice where I can profit very easily, whether it's, you know, making the pick or trading that pick when it becomes more valuable. And just 2024 is a great example. Everyone was hyped out about 2023. I went out and just grabbed tons of 2024s. Right yeah. now, 2024 is, is, is shaping up. In my opinion, it, it's looking pretty good right now. You have a, you know, a potentially a deep QB class with a high-end QB. You have a, a, a decent couple of running backs. You have a couple high-level receivers. You have a high-level tight end prospect. Things will emerge still. College is still fresh, but like these are things that like you could we could easily profit from. So it's it's you want to dive into that. I mean, I totally recommend, and I know some new dynasty players especially don't like to like get involved with like the rookie picks because they never hit and all that stuff. They never and hit. <laughs> it's just it it's just bonkers to me. So I just wanted to touch on that quick, get that off my chest. Yeah, I would say uh, with uh, buying rookie picks, um, there's two main market inefficiencies that you can exploit, right? Um, so one is, uh, to your point about buying uh, that year plus one uh, pick, like so in, uh, right now you'd be buying 25 picks yep. instead of 24, uh, last year 24 instead of 23, et cetera. Uh, the thing that uh, the the market inefficiency you can exploit there is that these picks are all always have the potential of being better than you think, right? Like so, right now we all all have a good idea of who's going to finish kind of in what tier, bottom four, mid tier, top four of each league that we're in. But uh, again, like we've been discussing all episode the fluctuation of values, it's so hard to uh, understate how often these values change and how unpredictable they are. And so it's definitely the best way of you getting an early uh, first pick while value unit is mid to late. And I would say even going into just the next year's future picks, so right now talking about 2024 picks, if uh, you buy a juggernaut's 2024 first, you guys are both pricing it in as late. Uh, there's no way for you to lose value on that trade. And I like, I cannot emphasize this enough. If you guys both value a first, a future first round pick as a late first 110, 111, 112, and you guys make that trade, there is only one way for your trade to go, and that's up. Like you, that trade could, that pick can only be worse than you anticipated. It can't it, like or better for you. And uh, so I, I feel like that's another thing. People like are look at contending first, and they're I don't want that. It, it's only going to be a late first. Okay, well, like in the last few years, that late first could get you guys like Christian and Watson, Chris Olave, like uh, going back a couple of years, T Higgins, like sh guys like that. Uh, I'll talk, and like with that, I, I had a couple this year where like in 2023, I had, you know, I, I stacked up a couple late firsts. You can yeah. pile those late firsts into like getting you into, you know, Anthony Richards, you know, AR or Gibbs, yeah. like that type of range, like, or if you liked, you know, Stroud or Young, like the, especially this year's draft, you could say, hey, I'll give you 110 and 112 or something like that. You know, let me get 106 or something like you know something that that maybe doesn't look good on the surface, but if you understand the tiers or, or if you have those tier breaks, that that can make you a huge difference. 
yeah no definitely so yeah so i i think this is this is a good wrap point but i i think the important thing is to remember that it's always changing it's ever evolving everyone's going to be wrong sometimes don't sit there and just like be like a you know the boring manager that just like drafts a team and then just like those players die on this team that's it's just it's not gonna it's not gonna pay the, the dividends that i think you think you're hoping to receive by being safe right you have to you have to you have to put yourself out there here and there even if it's calculated yeah and i i would say a, an important point to remember there is like uh if you're being stagnant in dynasty you're most likely losing value uh because you're not reacting to the marketplace your players values are fluctuating whether whether you want to react to them or not your players values are fluctuating um so it's up to you to kind of uh try to stay ahead of that uh shifting tide or you could be like you said you could be the type of player that you know you're more conservative you don't want to make uh too many rash decisions I understand that, but uh, as the band Rush said, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Uh, so uh, if you're just being stagnant, you're you're actively buying any player that you're not selling. Uh, that, that's something that a, a few people that uh, I've heard say that, and I, I do think there's something to that. Uh, so if you're ignoring uh, like the pockets of market fluctuation value that you're talking that we have been talking about you're just kind of doing yourself a disservice should have get off the pot yeah i think rush is a great way to wrap um <laughs> so yeah i mean i think we obviously we talked to you guys ears off today um but hopefully it kind of causes like you know some decision making some thought process to maybe change or think about different opportunities different thought processes and hopefully we can talk again soon and we'll uh admittedly probably be wrong about half the stuff we said tonight but you know that's how it goes At thanks least. man yep thanks all right we'll talk to you all right later